Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we're going to be talking with Mark and Sherry Wrinkle. And Mark and Sherry do the, a great blog about their adventures, and it is ourpositivelatitude.com. And we're going to be talking about one particular experience that they blogged about where they had an emergency at Anchor. And I think some of their experiences will give the rest of us something to think about as we're planning for the Great Loop and maybe some ideas on things we can do to prepare for if an emergency happens. Hopefully it won't, but you just never know. So we'll be talking about that today. Before I bring in Mark and Sherry, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with that information out of the way, I would like to welcome Mark and Sherry Wrinkle. Mark and Sherry, thanks for joining me. Thanks for inviting us. We really uh, appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and we appreciate having you here because, as I said in the intro, your blog is really well done. Um, and this is a, a story that you blogged about that kind of picked up a lot of interest on our Facebook group a few months back. Um, but let's just kind of start off with the basics. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and your boat and your boating experiences so far. Sure. Um, so we originally came from California. Um, we decided we, we originally had a five-year plan um, to retire early and eventually get a boat and go cruising. Um we kind of started that plan earlier, or we initiated that plan earlier than we uh, originally uh, scheduled to. And about a little over a year ago, we pulled the trigger. Um, we sold everything we had in California. And initially, um, we knew it was going to take a while to find the right boat. So we bought an older RV, and we started traveling uh, from California across the U.S. And really, our, the only thing that we had on our schedule when we left California was to go to the rendezvous um, in in. Um, in November. So we uh, made that uh, trip and got to rendezvous last year. And so actually one of the great things about Great Loop Radio uh, is we actually listen to the podcast as we're driving across the U.S. in RV. So we really appreciate all the great information um, that we learned from other cruisers who have already done the Great Loop. And as you were listening in your RV, did you think you would ever be a guest on Great Loop Radio? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Yet here you are. And um, I mentioned your blog. It's it, ourpositivelatitude.com. Is that the right URL for it? For it? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, I wanted to make sure it wasn't .net or something else. So, um, yeah, definitely encourage our listeners to check that out because it's a really well-written blog. Um, but today we're going to talk about a specific instance that you wrote about. And uh, it happened at kind of a remote anchorage. So kind of set the stage. Tell us where you were, what you had been doing that day, and when you started to realize there was a problem. Sure. So we, uh, we were on the Potomac River, actually at an anchorage just off the Potomac River. Um, we were working our way up to Washington, D.C., kind of a side trip. We're not actually uh, geared towards finishing the loop this year. We just went up the East Coast, and we're going back down now. Um, and, and ten- our full intention is to... to complete the Great Loop uh, next year or the year after. But we were working our way towards Washington, D.C. We anchored the boat oh, about halfway up in a, in a cove. And um, at the time when we when we dropped the anchor, we 
enjoyed jumping in the water. It was really warm. This is the middle of July when this happened. And um, I knew, and, and the, really this story revolves around a health issue that I had while we were on the boat in the anchor. And I knew that um, I was starting to have problems. I couldn't urinate during that day. And um, I wasn't sure if it was going to go away or if it was going to get worse. Um, but as the evening uh, continued and towards uh, into the night, uh, it was getting worse to the point that I was in severe pain. Um, and that is really the set the stage for what we had to experience in the Anchorage. Mm -hmm. So actually, the, the first I realized that we have a problem is about two in the morning on Wednesday morning. And Mark keeps getting up several times in the middle of the night. And so I know he doesn't feel well, but um, I don't know what the problem is. And so finally, I just ask him what the issue is. And he tells me that he hasn't been able to go to the bathroom since yesterday morning. And I'm immediately shocked because, you know, the joke is that there are no secrets on a boat. And so I've seen him going to the bathroom, mm -hmm. but I, I don't realize that there's a problem. Um, and then I'm annoyed that this is the first I'm hearing about it. So I interrogate him um, briefly, and then I turn on the light, and I immediately realize that we've got a serious problem because I can see on his face that he's in severe pain and um his face just says it all he's mm -hmm. worried and in pain and we're at anchor and one of the things about a, a really well-written blog is that you kind of experience that those emotions along with the writer um, and there are points in this particular post that you know you kind of laugh along and you also I, I wanted to cry along right there with you sherry but um <laughs> And it, it does a, neat, a really neat job in this particular blog of um, kind of going back and forth so that we know what both of you are thinking at each, each kind of each moment along the way. So we're hearing Sherry's voice and we're hearing Mark's voice. Um, but so kind of, you know, Sherry, you knew there was a problem at that point. What went through your head? What did you do? Well, <laughs> um, at first, I'm really, I'm optimistic at first that we'll just be able to get to a marina. I tend to be pretty optimistic anyway in life. So um, I'm optimistic that we're going to be able to get to a marina and we're going to be able to get him to professionals. So um, we is the key word here, though, because during the first few hours, I jump out of bed and I start doing research on any nearby marinas. And I'm fairly positive that Mark and I are going to be able to find a marina and get in quick and get him to a hospital. Um, and really, I want to believe that. This um, optimism is swirling around my lack of desire to see anything but that scenario. So um, I end up doing some research and I find, I find this particular part of the process difficult because Mark is usually the travel coordinator, whether we're on land or in the water. So even this component for me is challenging. Um, but I do, I open um, the active captain and I find local marinas. And when I say local, we're talking two to three hours away. And um, what I'm finding is there's no place close that will take our depth or that will take our size vessel in um, length or width. So I keep 
expanding my search out further and out further and out further, going back the direction we came and heading up towards D.C., and I'm not finding anything. So I do this for about two hours, and I'm pretty much in panic mode at this point because I don't want to wrap my mind around the fact that I'm going to have to take him to shore and I'm going to be responsible for the boat. So um, I start moving into activities I know how to do. So activities I know how to do is I know how to prepare this boat to leave Anchorage. So I start doing those busy things like, you know, the fenders and the lines and taking the tarp down and putting the chairs away and all those things. And while I'm outside doing this, I can hear Mark inside um, at a pretty frequent um, basis groaning and moaning because he is in so much pain. So I don't know if you mentioned, Sherry, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What, tell us what kind of boat you're aboard. Okay. We're on a 43 um, foot main ship trawler. Mm -hmm. So, um, we didn't really get into our boating experience, but it's got two engines and twin engines are something that we're not familiar with. Um, Mark's got extensive sailing experience and I have no boating experience, although I did take some sailing lessons after I met him. Um, but this is, this is all kind of new to us and we've been on the boat for about six months when this happens. Okay. Um, so Mark, Sherry talked about she could hear you inside clearly in pain. So you're pretty well incapacitated at this point. Um, what were your thoughts about what Sherry was doing? Well, I, first of all, I felt fortunate that although I knew she was stressing out about it, I knew that she has a mindset to problem solve. So it, it was, I, I knew she was going to be able to handle it. It's, it's very difficult though knowing that she she was going to have to do that without my help. So, and I was in extreme pain. Um, so it was, it was hard to, you know, keep, keep a straight mind to figure out what we should do. Um, I don't think it was bad or I don't think I was bad enough off that I had to call, you know, Coast Guard or, or uh, call 911 at that point. Um, you know, this is still the middle of the night. And I, st- I still have the hope that it might all clear up. <laughs> <laughs> right. So one of the things that, you know, emergency situations happen, particularly health emergencies, is not something that we can control at all. So I'm hoping that some of our listeners are hearing this and kind of learning from your experiences. Because, Sherry, you've already talked about, um, you know, Mark was kind of the, the cruising coordinator and you knew obviously how to find these resources of where marinas was, but, or marinas were, but it wasn't something you were doing on a regular basis. So I'm guessing since then you've become a little bit more comfortable with that, but ultimately because of the position you were in to have to take care of him and the boat and, and you know, really be the problem solver, you made the decision that the only choice was to dinghy to shore to get some help. So, um, Tell us about that decision. How did you arrive at that decision? And, and of course, just the process, if you're not primarily the person who's responsible for the dinghy on most dinghy trips, um, you know, tell us about that because you kind of describe in detail how overwhelming just that one piece seemed for you at the time. Well, yeah, I know in my mind and in my heart of hearts that I need to get into shore, which is only a few hundred yards away and call an ambulance. But I also know as I'm going to pitch this idea that Mark's never going to go for it. And um, when he comes 
out of um, his last, uh, when I guess it's when daylight comes. He approaches me and says, okay, what's the, what's the plan? And I very directly say, I, I'm going to put you in a dinghy. We're going to go ashore and we're going to call an ambulance. And he says, okay. And at that moment, it, I knew he was going to say no. And I actually had hoped he was going to say no because <laughs> I wasn't capable <laughs> of doing any of this. But you were, um, which is what you found out. <laughs> you were very capable of it. But tell us how you got to that point. So um, I, essentially, I had done enough research on the local marinas that there was no place that was going to be able to take us. Mark was in too much pain. And we were within, like I said, a couple hundred yards of shore. So it needed to be done. And, um, so we, I made the call, he agreed. <laughs> and so we were going to take, take the dinghy ashore. And, and um, at that point, like I just steps. started barking orders. I went into, um, um, boss mode, I mm -hmm. guess. And yep. that was, you know, get your wallet, get your phone, get your charging cord, um, get your life jacket on, get in the dinghy, but don't touch anything. <laughs> I need a crash course on how to start this dinghy and operate this thing because I'm going to have to get it back to this boat. And Mark, you know, being the trooper that he is says, okay. And, and does exactly what I ask of him. Mm -hmm. And it probably at the time seemed like 42,000 steps to get the dinghy launched and, and going. Um, but you managed to do that and you had your crash course and made it to shore, of course. So um, there's kind of a part in the blog where you're talking about, you know, you've called the ambulance, Mark is loaded into the ambulance, and this is during COVID, so most likely you probably couldn't have gone with him, even if it wasn't for the 43-foot main ship sitting out there in the water that you were responsible for at this point. Um, but to me, it's one of the moments in the blog that I can, I can really feel your pain, Sherry. Mark's was a very physical pain. Yours was more of an emotional pain. Um, what was it like, you know, watching that ambulance drive away with Mark? You, of course, desperately wanting to be with him, but also knowing you had this monumental task in front of you of getting back to the boat and taking care of the boat. And, of course, you had your dogs aboard, too. Yeah, as the ambulance drives off, I just have a whole host of emotions that I'm trying to process all at one time. And I can't. I just start to cry. I realize up and. Till this point, I wanted to cry. I just haven't um, because I felt like I needed to put my game face on and act confident and give Mark some reassurance that I can do this. But then the ambulance pulls away and I am, I am completely overwhelmed and um, I start to cry. I am all alone there. I'm in this dirt parking lot in the middle of nowhere and there's not a soul, not a car, not a building and um off drives my husband and i'm like i said there's a whole a whole host of emotions i'm worried about him um i the enormity though of now what i have to do the tasks ahead of me hits me and now i'm just completely overwhelmed i have to remember all the steps to start this dinghy again i have to get it back to the boat i have to now figure out what to do with the boat after i get back on it um, weather's going to change and staying in the anchorage probably isn't an option. So I have what I would consider a little tiny meltdown all by <laughs> myself. And um, then at, w at one point it's like, okay, this isn't doing me any good. I got to get it together. And now it's time to 
adults and get back to <laughs> what the task at hand. So I head to the dinghy and get it started <laughs> and aim it back to the boat. <laughs> yep. And and so it, this does have a happy ending and that's probably kind of the, one of the lowest points probably for both of you is that moment when you were, you know, separated at that point and Mark had to go one way and and Sherry you went the other. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and kind of talk about how things start to improve. Um, and of course, as I said, it does have a happy ending, but the main reason I wanted to bring this to the podcast is because there's really a lot to learn um, from this situation. We ho certainly hope it never happens to any of our members, but the fact of the matter is we're all getting up there in age, and even if you're not getting up there in age, unexpected health issues happen, um, certainly much more often than, you know, true boating-type emergencies. We, we more frequently hear about medical issues. So there's certainly some things you can do to be prepared, and, and Sherry... Uh, Kudos to you. You're very strong. And even though you, you have said you couldn't handle it, you absolutely did handle it. Um, but I'm sure there's probably some things that you would do differently if you could go back just to be more prepared. And that's really why, where I want to focus the second half of this is how we can all learn from this. And um, if there, ladies, if you're not comfortable driving the boat, <laughs> get comfortable. Um, but for a lot of people, this is kind of their worst case scenario on the loop. And it is, um, there is so much you can do to be ready for this. So we'll, we'll hop into that aspect of it. We'll be back in a moment. Are you planning your trip around the Great Loop and feeling overwhelmed? Maybe you or your spouse are nervous about the trip due to lack of experience. With help from the Voyage Planning Advisors of Untold Horizon LLC, you can now get underway with confidence. Untold Horizon is a voyage planning service where merchant mariners with decades of experience serve as your personal cruising advisors. Our highly trained mariners prepare custom voyage plans that are designed around your experience, type of boat, and any personal preferences you may have. Put your mind at ease knowing that you have seasoned captains on your side. Join us today at untoldhorizon.com. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guests today are Mark and Sherry Wrinkle. Mark and Sherry blog about their boating adventures, and their blog is ourpositivelatitude.com. Very well-written blog, so I encourage you to check it out. Today we're talking about a specific post that gives us some insight into an emergency situation that happened when they were at anchor and how they both handled it. Mark being in extreme pain um, and Sherry being in a, in a situation that she didn't expect to find herself in. Um, and at this point where we kind of stopped the story, um, Sherry, you were about to hop it back in the dinghy and do the big checklist again to get it started and um, successfully get back to the boat. So let's pick up from like where you arrived back at the boat. Your dogs were there. Um, and your immediate thought was, I'm just going to stay right here at this anchorage until Mark can get back, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. Because I'm still refusing to believe that I need to leave. Mm -hmm. um, I look on the map and I look at some local um, loopers and I, I devise a plan that if I need to, I'll contact them. One of them I know, one of them I don't know. And tell them the situation and ask if they didn't mind coming and anchoring <laughs> next mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. for the night, if that ends up being an option. Um, I look up the numbers to the different towing services to see, um, just to have on hand in case I need to call them about getting towed out in an emergency. Um, and I look at, again, the map 
to the local marinas to see, did I miss something? Is there a marina close by that I could get to um, with our size boat? And Mark, meanwhile, is is facing a, a um, surgery to correct his medical problem. Um, and you heard from him. And what did he tell you you needed to do? <laughs> so I let him know that I'm okay. I'm back on the boat. The dogs are okay. And he says, okay, great. But you need to get the boat to a marina. And I try to negotiate a little bit with him on that about, well, I don't know. The weather doesn't look so bad. Let's kind of wait. Let's see. And he... He's pretty insistent, get to a marina, and so the call is his, and I decide to get to a marina. He he encourages me to call the closest marina to where we're at, and um, that's Goose Bay Marina. And he, he thinks just asking them a question about what their depths are, and maybe they've recently dredged. So um, that's what I do, is I call... Goose Bay Marina at like 8.05 in the morning and um, a, the nicest man on the planet answers the phone named CJ and I ask him does he have a transit slip available and will, does he have um, depth to allow a draft of 3.9 on a 43 foot vessel and he kind of hems and haws as to whether or not their uh, marina can handle that. And I, I again, I have a meltdown on the phone with him. I, I tell him what the problem is. I explain that my husband's in the hospital. I'm an inexperienced boater. I'm on the boat by myself. I'm over here at the um, cove right around the corner from his marina. And I, I need some advice. If he can't and his marina can't, can he suggest somebody that can? But through this, when I say I'm having a meltdown, this is through tears. I am absolutely sobbing on the phone with this poor gentleman. And um, he immediately, CJ, pops into problem-solving mode. He says, we can absolutely take your depth. Um, and as a matter of fact, I have a main ship myself. And I'd be happy to catch a ride and come out there and help you get the boat in the marina. So um, I'm, I have a plan now. I feel really good about this. And um, I text Mark and let him know. And that's one of the things I also love about this story is in most parts of the world, that's probably somewhat uncommon is to find one quite quite as helpful as CJ. I think in the Bowdoin community, that's not all that uncommon. And, and absolutely shout out to CJ because he was awesome. He did get a ride over to the boat and actually um, drove it in for you and docked it as at his marina, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, but He did a fabulous job because the wind kicked up and it took, it would take a very experienced boater to get this huge <laughs> boat, which it's not huge. But the marina was small, and he shoved it between these pilings with, like, three inches to spare on each side. So he did an excellent job. Right. So I love that, you know, not only did Mark get the help he needed, um, but Sherry also, you know, kind of triumphed over this big challenge that was in front of her. And it was also it's also the goodness of others, the kindness of strangers that helped you 
resolve it. So you were able to get to the marina, get tied up safely, get the fur babies off and let them walk around a little bit. Um, and I believe it wasn't too long then until Mark's surgery was finished and he was released and was able to meet you at the marina. So tell me about that. You know, and you, you do talk in the blog about feeling kind of a deep shame that Mark had to get his own ride home from the hospital after surgery, which is a really, you know, a pretty strong statement. And you can kind of feel that raw emotion. Um, you know, has that feeling changed any? Because rather than, I, I could relate to your feelings through this whole thing, Sherry, and I think I would have cried at the exact same moments and probably felt that shame. But in retrospect, you are kind of partly the hero of this story. So tell me if that's changed any as you look back on this having happened three or four months ago. Yeah, the feeling of shame hasn't changed. Um, I think anybody after having an operation in the hospital shouldn't have to wake up without anyone present that loves and cares for them. And for me, even more embarrassing and wrong, Mark shouldn't have had to call for an Uber ride to get home. Um, prior to this event, had I been better experienced at docking the boat, I could have probably gotten to the hospital before Mark was released. Um, but because I chose many times over to stay in my comfort zone and not challenge myself by docking the boat, I wasn't able to be at the hospital for Mark and I wasn't able to get to the rental car agency before they closed to get a car um, and transport him home. So um, while I'm ashamed, um, I'm grateful that everything happened the way it did because it did motivate me. And it's been actually the wake up call that Mark and I both needed to start um, cross training in our roles and for me to start stepping up and being really a full partner on this boat. Yeah. And I really want to jump into that. But first, a quick question for Mark. Mark, what was your feelings and, you know, when you drove up in that Uber and saw that the boat was safe, and you probably already knew the boat was safely there at the marina, but you saw Sherry, you saw the dogs. What went through your mind at that point? Oh, I was just um, over the top. I mean, I, I was so happy to get back to the boat and we're all back together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have to worry about, um, you know, risk. I mean, one of the reasons that that I kind of insisted on getting the boat to a marina was because we were in a cove uh, for the night and I knew the wind was going to come up from the exposed direction the next day. And my worry was, uh, well, first of all, I didn't know how long this was going to take. I was in the hospital. Luckily the, the right neurologist came along and was able to get me into surgery, correct it um, at least temporarily. Um, and, but during that time I was afraid that, Hey, I may be stuck here for days. And and my worst fear was that Sherry would be alone with the dogs on the boat and weather would turn bad. Um, and of all the things that can go wrong um, in, in those type of conditions, I, I just didn't want to put her in that situation. Um, so, you know, I'm totally thrilled that CJ was there to help out and get the boat back and just walking up and seeing the boat and seeing the dogs. Um, yeah, I was I was thrilled. Yeah. Um, and I slept really well that night, too. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure you both did, actually. <laughs> but um, like I said, it's a great story. And we always are a little bit concerned when we share the emergency type things on Great Loop Radio. Because we know that there's a certain contingent of people that are considering the loop that have some really big fears. And look for stories like this as uh, to point out and say, see, that's why I don't want to do it. 
But instead, I think it's really such a great opportunity through your story and others like it to say, it, yes, it does happen. Um, yes, it's different than if it happened if you were at home, but there are ways to manage it. So, um, Shara, you said that you've come a long way in being kind of a part, more of a partner, a full partner in the boat. So tell us a little bit about what you've done to kind of be prepared if anything like that were to happen again. So we had talked prior to this emergency happening about cross-training in each other's roles and making sure that we were all comfortable doing um, the various tasks on the boat um, at any given point. And until this event happened, we just put that off and put that off and put that off. But now um, I, I drive the boat fairly frequently. I've docked the boat, um, bow in and stern in. Um, I've taken the dinghy out. Um, and in both of us switching roles, um, Mark has found things that I do unnecessarily on the lines. And I'm able to ask questions about driving that makes him rethink why it is that we do certain things. So I think overall, we've become more efficient by taking, I guess, learning from this experience. Mm -hmm. That's interesting to hear that that's kind of on both ends, even though Mark had more boating experience than you had, Sherry. But it sounds like he's also kind of learned some things that maybe, as you said, can make you more efficient as a couple boating. Um, anything in retrospect that, um, you know, in the heat of the moment that maybe you did that you, you wish you had made a different decision? I don't, I don't think I would um, change anything, not with the information that we knew at the time. Everything ended up working out. Um, it was much harder than it needed to be because I wasn't prepared to navigate the boat. But I don't actually look back at that day and think I should have done something differently. And how about any um, any other advice for uh, people new to the loop or people still planning about what they should do to be prepared should an emergency like this happen? Well, you know, when we got into this, um, I thought in my mind we did a lot of things to make sure we were prepared. You know, I mean, we wear life jackets when we're underway. You know, we've got twice the number of fire extinguishers. So and there's a lot of things like that that made me think in my mind, hey, we're ready. For that emergency on board. But as you mentioned earlier about, you know, these medical emergencies are unexpected and they're more, much more common than you think. And that was our wake up call. And very specifically, you know, what we learned is you got to cross train. And, and it's not just the responsibility of the, the person that doesn't drive the boat. It's, it's both of our responsibilities. And I have to make sure to create opportunities um, for Sherry to learn um, to coach when I can, but also give her the room, you know, to, to make mistakes and to learn. Um, you, you have to have a comfort level, you know, docking a boat might be 10% knowing what to do and 90% having done it enough times and enough conditions to, to feel comfortable. Um, so it just takes that time. So I think that's a, the strongest uh, thing that we learned that we can really suggest others do take the time um, to learn each other's roles. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I have another suggestion yeah, and that is, Communicate with your partner at the first sign of trouble. <laughs> there you go, because maybe you would have uh, pulled into a marina that night um, if you knew that there was a, a impending issue there. So good point as well. Um, but no, you're both 
100% right. Um, I see a lot of, and for whatever reason, you know, I think it, it's it's more frequent that it's the ladies in a couple who are more hesitant to learn to drive the boat. And I think, you know, for whatever reason, we're raised to let the gentlemen do it. Um, but I do yep. see more and more looper women who drive the boat as much as their spouse um, who dock it more than their spouse because they really have realized that it's actually in a lot of cases easier to drive the boat than it is to handle the lines in some situations. Um, I know after yeah. your story, I've spent more time driving the boat. Um, and you know, for everyone out there listening to this, it would have been very easy if, she, even if Sherry hadn't gotten to the point where she was backing the boat into a slip. Um, we, we hear of these medical issues and, more frequently, the men tend to have the the medical issues. Again, I don't know the reason for that, but um, <laughs> so you know, ladies, you really, if you can at least be comfortable pulling the boat up to a T head, um, and yeah. and then help is available to you. But when you're kind of just out on the water without any ability to confidently handle the boat, you're putting yourself in a, a dangerous situation that doesn't need to be there. So hopefully everybody who's listening will take this as kind of their wake-up call so, through you so they don't have to have their own same situation. So Mark and Sherry, thank you so much for sharing the story because I think it is important that he, people hear it and use it as a, a call to action for them to cross-train on their boats. So thank you. Thank you very much for having us. And I do hope that someone else learns from our mistakes. And, and I'm absolutely sure that they will. And um, Eddie Johnson, who many loopers know from his weather wag, um, this is a, a phrase. I'm not sure where he got it, but um, you, you can learn from mistakes, but they don't have to be your own. So in this case, if you can learn from Mark and Sherry's mistakes, <laughs> very um, it's very true, especially in boating, I think. So um, thank you again. Check out their blog, um, ourpositivelatitude.com. And Mark and Sherry, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kim. And to all of our listeners, thanks for joining us once again on Great Loop Radio. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, safe cruising.